Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, good evening, post, post Facebook family. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope all of you are doing fantastic on this tremendous. Thursday, tomorrow's Friday. My brain is a little tired and a little foggy. I've been pretty busy today. I did a two-hour um, webinar. I was a guest on a webinar presentation with Jeanette Yoff from a trauma, trauma therapist from Los Angeles, who is the um, founder of Yoff, Yoff Therapy and also Cecilia Center in Los Angeles. And it was very good. And it was, uh, had a great group of participants and uh, full of uh, information. And she said something very profound that I want to share with you guys this evening. And it is hysterical, hysterical. Hello there, Mimi. Hysterical is historical. The definition of hysterical, deriving from or affected by uncontrolled extreme emotion, relating to, associated with, or suffering from hysteria. I love that because in the past couple weeks, I've had encountered a lot of families dealing with a lot of hysterical children, even some hysterical parents. And what I love about that word, hysterical, mm -hmm. is historical. It says so much. Hysterical is historical. When was the last time your child was, hello, Sue from PA. When was the last time your child was hysterical? When was the last time you encountered an hyst a hysterical adult? We did this for two, we talked for two hours today. Um, I've been talking a lot lately about when we get stressed, the higher level of stress, the higher the level of stress, the more likely it is to open up our brainstem. And when our brainstem opens up, that's where all of our trauma memories are stored, along with all of our other memories. Because your brain, as an organ, is a historical organ. It, it collects and stores information. Your brainstem is what holds all memories. So your brainstem holds all memories, and specifically, your brainstem also stores your trauma memories. The problem is trauma memories are not stored in a coherent connected way they're stored in a very fragmented way so when you um, trigger a trauma memory it could be it could be triggered through any sensory pathway and could cause you to have an overwhelming reaction so today when Jeanette said hysterical is historical it really made me think about those brainstem 
memory experiences and when parents are dealing with seemingly hysterical children. Now, I will qualify this by saying a lot of times we we associate hysterical with some great big outward outward overwhelming display of emotions and behaviors. But hysterical can also be shut down, withdrawn, depressed, and isolating. I want you to keep that in mind. But here's the thing. When your child is being hysterical, it's because they are operating from history, historical experiences. I'm going to say that again. When your child is being hysterical, they are not in the present moment. It's because they are operating from historical experiences. The hysteria is being driven from a brainstem that is open and releasing historical experiences and memories and emotions. Your child is not in the present moment. They are in history. And history is driving the experience. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Sharon just sent me 50 stars. Oh my gosh, it's a record. <laughs> That's fantastic. Your child is being driven from a, a place of history. That history, now, if you, usually, you know, a lot of my parents are, are foster and adoptive parents, a lot of my post parents. But biological parents fall right in there right in there as well, just like grandparents. That child has a history before they ever come into your life. Now, not necessarily for biological children, but for biological children, that history that that child has had is very important. If a child is in a state of hy hysterics, they are being driven from their history. I love that concept. It's like, if we, because I can say when your child is acting out, it's because they're stressed out. But a lot of times we have a, we have a really hard time imagining in, in varying instances that our children are stressed, even though stress drives everything. But if I and even if I say when your child's stressed, it activates their brainstem, and their brainstem opens up and releases all their trauma memories, and that's what's that's the lens they're looking through, and that's what's creating their reality. You can hear that. You can hear that. But if I say, as Jeanette said, hysteria is historical. Hysterical is hysterical is historical. That's just beautiful. Hysterical is historical. If someone is being hysterical, if I'm being hysterical, if you're being hysterical, if your child's being hysterical, your spouse or your parents are being hysterical, it's because it's historical. It's coming from their history. It is rooted in their past experience. And I've always said, stress causes us to do one of three things. It causes us to react from the past, which is historical, obsess about the future, which is actually also historical because we are afraid that our future is going to look like some, some implications from our past, but it takes you out of the present. Stress causes you to react from the past, obsess about the future, takes you out of the present. 
I believe the next time you see your child is being hysterical, if you can slow down and take three to ten deep breaths and not become hysterical along with them, you can remember in that moment that hysterical is historical and truly empathize and understand them from a completely different perspective. Hysterical is historical. Now I'm going to share with you one other thing. And I've got several things, actually, that Jeanette shared because I took copious notes. When I wasn't lecturing, she went, then I went, then she went, then I went. And so when she was gone, I was taking notes because I think she's just an amazing, insightful, intuitive clinician mom. And she's she's adopted herself, was in foster care, and just has shares her history and her heart. The other thing she said is you have to become an owl. O-W-L. Become an owl. Which means... When you're facing a challenging situation, you have to observe, watch, listen. Observe, watch, and listen. So observing is observing first your own internal state. You have to take deep breaths, calm yourselves down. She talks about um, regulating that polyvagal nerve. I'm going to do more. I'm going to talk more about the polyvagal nerve um, in, uh, in daily doses to come. You observe yourself, you watch your child, watch what's going on, and then you listen. Another thing is a lot of times our children are saying things that we don't always hear. Another thing that Jeanette said is that we have to learn to be curious. So instead of when you're interacting with your child and they say something that you don't like or they do something you don't like, instead, you know how, we, how we'll look when we get really serious and we look at our children, do that with do that right now. Kind of squint down, and you know if you're if you're really really serious and looking at me, if I've upset you. But what if instead of squinting at me like that right now, which which feels kind of intense, doesn't it? I kind of feel the intensity just as you do it to me now. But what if I was curious? What if I was curious? What if I said, "Oh, oh, I'm curious." See how my, my, my facial expression changes? Oh, I'm curious. It's kind of like that saying that, in, that if you, even if you're feeling bad, if you can force yourself to smile, you'll start to feel better. Just that instead of that, that scowl, what if you just went, oh, and you were curious about what's going on with your child. If your child's, you know, doing something they're not supposed to do, if they're talking some kind of way, they're stressed, they're acting out, and you just, like, you're curious and you just, you wonder. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what could be going on right now. See, it just it's just a, a little different nuance. When and Eric says, what if he's kicking and or hitting? It's hard to be curious then. No, no, not at all. Not that maybe if he's kicking or hitting you, then that's one thing. You know, if he's kicking and hitting you, then you definitely want to try to get yourself safe. But depending on the size of the child, if it's a smaller child, get a pillow. And, and block block the hits and the kicks and be curious about what's got him so stressed out and so scared and so fearful that would that would need him to, to that would drive him to want to try to attack you or assault you be curious about what's got him so stressed out and so scared and so overwhelmed in that moment based on what he's experienced be curious about what he's experienced in the past 
that would cause him to be so stressed out in that moment that he would feel like he needs to protect himself. And then you can even say it. If it's an older child and you're getting hit or kicked, be curious about that later. Get yourself to safety. Leave in your car. Lock yourself behind a door. Don't get hurt. I don't believe in parents getting hurt. But here's what I'd ask you to do in either of those situations, regardless of the age of the child, is pay attention, and I talked about this today when it comes to aggression on this on this uh, uh, webinar. You have to get attuned to the signals. What are the signals your child is giving you that they're starting to reach that point, that tipping point from aggression, from aggressive to assaultive? See, there's a difference between aggression and assault. There's a difference between being angry and being violent. See, a lot of times we, we want to connect the two, and the two actually don't have, they don't, they're, they're on the same continuum, but they're not in, intimately connected. So a lot of times as parents, we get freaked out when our children become aggressive, when they have an aggressive tone, or they have an aggressive posture, or they talk aggressive. That's the initial of our freaking out, and they're not even at assaultive or violent yet. If we can keep from freaking out when they're aggressive and we can honor what they're feeling and what's going on in that moment, we can actually prevent them from ever going to assaultive or violent. So that's really important. It's prevention as opposed to always practicing intervention. So what else? Is, oh, so Jeanette also said you have to learn to practice the three Ps. Be playful, present, and patient. Actually, she called this PACE. P-A-C-E. And I, can't, I don't know where she got it from. But uh, the P stands for playful, present, and patient. The A stands for accept yourself and also apologize. Talked about that before. The C is spelled... Um, God, I told you I got brain fog. The C stands for curious. And the E stands for empathy. I think that curiosity and that empathy are, are really closely connected. All right, and then uh, seven nonverbal cues. These are seven cues that you give off because 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. Alan Shore says it's not what you say or what you do. It's how you feel when you're doing and saying it. Actually, that's what Brian Post says. Alan Shore says the core of the self is nonverbal and unconscious and lies in patterns of affect regulation. Brian Post says, it's not what you say or do, it's how you feel when you're saying and doing it. So the seven nonverbal cues are eye contact, facial expression, tone of voice, gestures, timing, posture, and intensity. Again, I'll say those again. The seven nonverbal cues, eye contact, facial expression, tone of voice, gestures, timing, posture, and intensity. And here's what I'm going to close this with because I, I love it, especially for you, all you amazing mamas out there. Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. Three things, three affirmations to learn and practice to say to yourself. Actually, Jeanette says this is what she says to herself. Number one, you're a good person. You are a good person. I appreciate you. I am thankful for you. Number two, you are doing the best that you can. You're doing the best that you can 
even in the midst of struggles, even when it looks ugly. A dad on the webinar said today, how do I apologize to my child when I've called her a liar and blamed her something just as, yelled at her and called her a liar just this morning? You, what do you do? You start by apologizing, saying I'm sorry, getting in touch with your heart, saying I'm sorry, because in that moment, I don't care how ugly it is or how ugly it was, you were doing the best that you could do, plain and simple. Now, it's a beautiful thing that you're here because that means you want to do even better. And I respect you and I honor you for that. And number three, you are good enough. You are good enough. You are good enough. I know you are good enough. You are perfectly created and designed to be everything that your child needs. And by God, if someone tries to tell you that you are not enough, you drop that person from your life because you are enough. You are perfectly and di di divinely created, created, anointed, and designed for the care of the child you have in your home. You are perfect for your child. You have everything that this child needs within you. You have everything. You are enough. You are a good person. You are doing the best that you can, and you are good enough. Remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. Continue to react from your same blueprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or you can stop, you can slow down, you take your three to ten deep breaths, you say your affirmations, you're a good person, you're doing the best you can, and you are enough. You are enough, and you keep trying to do better and choose love. God bless you. Big Papa loves you. You guys are amazing. Keep after it. I know it gets tough sometimes. I know sometimes you just want to throw in the towel. You don't know what else to do. You you cry. You scream. You yell. <sighs> this too shall pass. Remember to breathe. Love is possible. It's all around us. The only thing that keeps us out of love is fear. You got this. I believe in you. Probably not going to see you guys tomorrow. Let me see if Christy and Phil in Got to take another trip. So, God bless. We'll see you. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.